0: With pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for faithful is he that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of yourself together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. You may be seated. Father certainly thankful for the privilege of being in this place, being among your people and Lord being in your presence, we're always in your presence, whether it's in the house of the Lord or home or coming or going, but God we're thankful that in a special way, Lord in this place has been built for you, dedicated for you and dedicated to service of the Lord. God we're glad that you meet with us here. Father, we pray that you'd stir our hearts, move us. Lord God, I, I pray through the power of the Word of God and help us, Father, to make the decisions we need to make individually today. If someone among us is lost, I beg of you to save them, backslidden, reclaimed, and those of us, Lord, that know you, Father, help us to go from strength to strength, do whatever needs to be done in my heart and in my life as you do it in the hearts and lives of those others that are here. We'll be sure to give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it all. For we ask it in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. I'm not going to reread any particular verse out of the passage that I've just read. We're going to do that as I share with you the message. But I do want you to think with me today about this thought as we make our way down quickly through this passage. I want you to think about a warning worth noting. A warning worth noting. This book of Hebrews is a phenomenal book. I mean, it's written to the Hebrews. It is a dispensational book, I believe. It is for us as the church, as redeemed, uh, blood-washed, spirit-filled people on the way to heaven. It is applicable to us in many, many ways. But when we begin to study the Word of God, write and divide the Word of God, teach the Word of God, preach the Word of God, we must remember that it is written to the Hebrew. The Hebrew is in mind. In fact, as you begin to look at this whole book, you'll come to understand in many ways that it is a comparison uh, between things like angels and. Aaron and the Levitical priesthood and the law and the sacrifices and the blood that was shed, even a priest for the name of Melchizedek, and compare that with Jesus Christ, who is God's only begotten son who came into this world, had to seek and to save that which is lost. So in this passage, we're going to look at some things that Paul set forth as a warning to believers. This book is written to me and you. I believe it was written to converted Jews of that day who were living not long after Jesus had ascended back to heaven. Before the temple had been destroyed in 70 AD by Titus and and. Uh, It had been destroyed in such a way that it took away from the Jews, the newly converted Jews, that draw to go back to the things that they and their um, lineage had practiced for 1,500 years. In this book, Paul set forth a a series, a number of warnings, something between seven and eight. But again, I want to talk to you about a a warning worth noting. And uh, we'll bring this to a conclusion in just a little while. But I want you to know, I believe the message is, is headed for sinners who need to be saved. Uh, to backsliders who need uh, to move up and carry on, and to those of us that may be strong in the Lord. I believe there's room for us and a message from God to us in this passage of Scripture. If you look at verses 19 and 20 again, and 21, listen to what it said. "...having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, by new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh... He said, and having an high priest over the house of God, and I'll go on in just a moment. But you know what? There is something amazing in this passage of Scripture. It is an amazing truth, and if you remember over in chapter 4 of this same book, Paul said, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now listen, friend, when we begin to look at this passage, and I'm about to get happy right now. We find that we don't just come to the throne of grace, but you know what we do? By the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the life that he lived, the death that he died, the sacrifice that he made, the blood that he shed. Listen, folks, we you and I, as believers, can go in to the very presence of Almighty God. listen into the throne room, into the holiest of holies. Hey, into that place that was cut off uh, from man when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning. Now, today, you and I can go there personally, individually, often, as often as we want because of the blood that Jesus shed, the death that he died, and the life that he now lives. And I say glory, hallelujah, amen. Isn't that amazing? Now, you know what? Jesus did something for us that no other high priest could do. In the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into that place once a year, not without blood for himself. But you and I today, thank God. We can go there uh, boldly. Hey, listen, no high priest ever took any man with him. But I'll tell you what Jesus did. Uh, when the veil of the temple was rent in twain, uh, when he had cried on the cross, uh, Te it is finished. When he cried with a loud voice, gave up his ghost, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. God said, whosoever will, let him come. Hey, you know what we ought to purpose to do this year in 2024? Do whatever it takes on our part to get there and to stay there as long as we can. Now the rest of this message is about really how to get there. I'm telling you, it's spiritual, but it's so practical that it is, that it is not uh, uh, believable in some uh, degree. But oh, I'll tell you, it's plain. It's so plain that even I can understand it. So look, if you will, with me at verse 24, there are four things we're going to look at very briefly that will bring us to that point. And I like this. I like this. Y'all do know that there are hindrances, do you not, to drawing near. When the Old Testament was, uh, was written and when God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, when he gave Moses the, uh, the uh, instructions on how to build the tabernacle in the wilderness and how that the nation of Israel could worship him and approach him and glorify him. You know what he did? He set up a tent in the desert. Uh, he put a, a fence around it, put one door in that fence on the east end. And to get in that, you had to go through the door. You had to go by a smoking, burning, brazen altar. You had to stop at the the brazen uh, laver and wash both your hands and feet. You had to enter into the holy place where there was a lamp on the south side, a table with shoe bread on the right side. And right before, listen, That holiest of holies hung a veil and right outside of the veil was a golden altar where they offered incense. Now listen, only one man could get in there once a year and he had to do certain things to get there. Hey, you and I have been given a new way, a better way, and we can go there. But listen, we want to go the right way and be sure to get what we go there for once we get there. So listen to what he says. Let us draw near. I forget how many times that phrase, let us, is used by the Apostle Paul in this epistle to the, to the Hebrews. But it is one of the key phrases of that book, like the word better is. It, it is a key phrase. But that let us, now listen to that connotation. It doesn't sound to me like a commandment. It doesn't sound to me like it's a demanded thing. But let me ask you all something. If you want to get closer to the Lord than you've ever been in 2024, say amen. Well, these are the things that you've got to choose to do. It has led us. It is available to us. But we've got to make the decision to get there. Y'all know what? You'll never get anything done as long as you think about it. It's easy to think. It's easy to plan. But you know what we got to do? We got to put those plans into action. So he said, listen, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Now, can I tell you something? And please, everyone, hear this. Maybe one of the most important things that I say today. This invitation is not just for the bold and the beautiful, but it is for the weakest saint that there is. He opens the door and said, Whosoever will, let him come. Let us draw nigh. Let me give you a quick uh, contrast to this. Back over to the book of Exodus. Not long after the children of Israel had come out of, of the bondage of Egypt, 400-plus years of bondage, God them, brought them across the Red Sea to the foot of Mount Sinai, where there he made a nation of slaves into uh, his people, his chosen. He gave them the law. You know all of that. And before God invited Moses up to the mount, he said, Moses, what I want you to do, I want you to set a boundary around that mount. He said, You warn the people. Anybody or any beast that touches that mount that's not being invited. They're going to die. Hey, you know what? I don't know about you. Say, I'm happy again. Thank God I'm glad I don't live under law. Thank God I'm going to get so close to God. I could never enter into the holy place on my own. high priest couldn't take me in on his desire. But today, because I live on this side of of Calvary, on this side of the cross, James said, for me and to you and to everybody, draw nigh unto God and he will... Draw nine to you. Sir, ma'am, you can get as close this year to God as you choose to. See, it's all about a want to. Oh, look, it's not just enough to have a want to, you got to have a do do. That sounded awful now that I I said that. (laughs) But I'm not going to apologize for it, it fits. There's one doo-doo and then there's another one, okay? So I'm talking about the doo-doo. All right. That was all. I wish I'd have thought through that for us, said. It. Ah, and we don't edit these things either. But let us draw near. Isn't it amazing what comes in a message? I won't have to repent over that, and neither will it bother. Me. It's funny as can be, but still, yeah. I'm telling you, there's a lot that goes on in these little minds up here. But look what he said. Now, look, everybody, anybody, whosoever will, let him come. But there, listen to what he said. Let us draw near with the heart full assurance. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things that, that causes us to keep away. One of them is, every time we start getting close, God's light will reveal something in us that we don't like. And then we want to run away. You know what we need to do? We need to embrace the light. We need to be drawn into the light. Not turn and run from it. We have assurance because we have our faith in Christ Jesus. We have a perfect salvation. We are not perfect, but we are to strive to be. Say amen right there. He said, but let us draw near. Now what keeps us? What keeps us from having that assurance. Well, here's what I wrote down. Our conscience will not allow us to have the assurance that we need because we're guilty a lot of times of some unconfessed sin. (laughs) Y'all didn't enjoy hearing that one, did you? Sin is rampant in this day. And let's face it, not only do the unsaved have a problem with it, but so do the believers. I was so proud of you, Barry, when you said, while I'm here, I need to rededicate myself. I've not heard that out of a believer, and I don't know when. When I first started preaching, when I had to report to the ministerial association that I belonged to, I don't belong to anyone now, I belong to the Lord, and that's it. He's got my report. I don't have to report it to him. You know what we did? We had places for rededications and salvations. Maybe the reason we don't rededicate because we're not dedicated. Hello? I'm still preaching. In fact, I'm preaching pretty good right now. Hey, folks, listen, I know enough about myself, and you and I are so much alike uh, that, that it's not funny. I know what keeps me away. Do you, you, ever, you, you ever have, you, are you ever guilty of something against somebody? And when you see them out in, in, in Walmart or on the street, you try to avoid them like the plague? Oh, now, don't y'all get too holy on me. I'll start preaching. If that don't work, I'll pull my gun on you. How about that? You know what I'm saying? When when you've got a guilty conscience, hey, listen, friend. Just go like you are, and I'll guarantee you, you'll leave in a different way. Go, take care of that. Get rid of the guilt. Do some repenting. Go to God and say, listen, here's how it is. And I want to get closer to you than I've ever gotten. If it's a besetting sin, work on that sin. Get rid of it. Do whatever it takes to get it out of your life. Y'all know what? Sin is a thief. I mean to tell you, it's a murderer. It'll, kill, it'll, it'll steal your joy. It'll steal your testimony. And it'll kill your influence. He said, let us draw near, not only with the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. By the way, that is not talking about baptism. Let me say that again. That is not talking about Baptism. It's actually talking about using the Word of God on us. Uh, how, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse himself from his ways by taking heed thereunto according to thy Word? Sanctify them through thy truth. Uh, thy, thy Word is truth. By the washing of pure water, by the Word of God. Listen, friend, I want to tell you why uh, maybe we... Uh, We don't draw near to God as we ought. It's simply because we haven't taken advantage of it. Hey, look, friend, we've not wanted to get any closer than what we have gotten. But you know what we can do? We can take advantage of the Word of God, which if we live it after we read it and believe it, I'm telling you to take care of all of our problems that keep us out of that holy place. Now, it's kind of a paradoxical thing. I want to highlight this again. It sounds exciting to get near to God, but when you get near Him, it's demanding. Everybody with me? It'll demand something of you. And see, that a lot of times is what we get caught up on. But I'll tell you what, it'll give you way more than what it demands. Let me just stop right here and say, although He reflects what we really are when we get in His light Listen, friend, it's worth taking care of it to go on. But it goes on. i got to hurry. He said in verse 22 or 3, Not only in 22 let us draw near, but 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, doubt promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. You know what he's really talking about? He's talking about don't waver or bend in your walk or your relationship with the Lord. Now listen, we are living in what I believe to be the most dangerous time I've ever seen in all my years in the ministry and all my few short years on planet earth. We're living, I believe, in the last days. If you agree, say amen. And I've told you one of the signs, one of the great marks of the last day is deception. There'll be deceivers that are deceiving in themselves, deceived in the last days. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days there shall come uh, seducing spirits. Uh, We're not to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine and slight, uh, of of cunning craftiness of men. But we need to hold. We need to hold fast to our profession of faith. Everybody in here at Save, say amen. Amen. Everybody in here at Save, say amen like you mean it. I'm going to tell you what, listen, if you're not careful if you're not an inherit to the Word of God. And if you're not faithful in the next point, that, or the second point after this that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give it to you quickly. Friend, listen, you could, start to, you could start to weave and bob. Let me say it that way. You could start to bend. You know, the Bible says, I can't remember where it's at right off. It's either in Matthew or Luke, maybe in Mark, where Jesus is talking about the last days. And it, he talks about in the latter part of the verse, can't get it all together, he says that, that even it's possible to deceive even the very elect. Folks, listen. I can't say it enough. We've got to be men and women of the book. We need to get in this book until this book gets in us. I'm telling you, The Internet's not the best place to go. It's not only a place to learn things. I use it. I'm I'm thankful for it. I love the fact that I can tap a little microphone and say, um, define and give it a word. And then it will read it back to me. I I love that. I I love little simple things like that. But I'm going to tell you what, I think there's a lot more lies on the Internet than there is truth and you can see about anything you want on the Internet. You can see, quote, unquote, churches and pastors doing the strangest things in the name of Christ. We're living in an age when experience and feelings are more important than the Word of God. Look, I want you to feel good when you come here. I want you to feel welcome. I want you to feel fed when you leave. But I'm not here, friend, to patch up your um, your self esteem. I'm not here to give you a motivational uh, talk to make you leave here feeling like that you can conquer the world. I can't promise you health and riches and wealth, but I can promise you by the grace of God, if you believe this, you'll have an eternal place in heaven someday. I mean, they'll tell you this. I don't know, folks. We're living in a day of deception and I know I get I get off track sometimes. Let me get back on it. He said, "Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For faithful is He that has promised. Not wavering. We need to place. Listen, friend. We, we 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 need to stay in the Bible, and we need to get the Bible in us. And let me let me let me say this and go on. Y'all, anybody remember the song besides me? I'm pressing on. The upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. That's what we need to do. Turn quickly and then we'll get to the uh, the last point And we'll get down to the next. Chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. We're to hold fast. And I believe we're to do that all the way to the end. I know there are people in in, in circles that have different thoughts and ideas about perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints and all this kind of stuff, I do too. But here, let me tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. Here in the book of Hebrews, that if you are saved, you will persevere until the end. I can give you three verses really quick. Hebrews 3.6, 3.14, and 4.14. The word if there means censor in light of the fact that you'll find in those verses. Hebrews 3.6, 3.14, 4.14. Are you there, Philippians 3? Listen to what he said in verse 13 and 14. He said, "Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, here it is. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling uh, uh, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to press on this year. I want to press on. I want to press through. I want to press up by the grace of God. It's not going to get any easier to hold to what we believe. You all understand that, don't you? We're old fashioned, we're out of touch. And in fact, in certain circles, we're the problem. Y'all do know that. They want to get rid of us and they'll be happy. They'll be happy. When we are gone, number number three. Look at this. He goes on to say, not only we're we to draw near, not only we're we to hold fast, but let us consider one another to provoke one another unto good works. Boy, I love this. Think about what this is saying. It's saying simply this: we're not alone in the journey. If you're glad about that, say Amen. Do you all know when God foresaw and planned? And purchased and planted the church. He knew what we'd need. The church, the Greek word for the church is ekklesia. Ek means out or away from. A church is a and a called out assembly. We're called out of the world to assemble together at a stated place, at a stated time, for a stated purpose. And it gives us those purposes in the book of Acts, chapter 4 or 2, verse 41, I believe it is. We are to gather together. Now, I know we can't be together all the time, And we are all the time joined together through the Spirit of God that uh, indwells all of us. But if you all agree with this, say amen. Isn't it something special? When we gather here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, um, Monday night for Evergreens, Monday night for the board, uh, when we get together for men's prayer, for women's prayer, when we get together for revival, special, isn't it good, isn't it strengthening, isn't it encouraging to you as a believer? Boy, it is to me. And can I tell you what I need it? Now listen to what I'm going to say. You can go to heaven without going to church. When people like my mother and maybe your mother got to the point she couldn't come to church, God takes all that into consideration. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But when we can come and we choose not to come, shame on us. Shame on us. I'll close with that in just a minute. But look, he said we are to provoke one another. We're not alone. To provoke in love. I I never forget when I first come across this and I thought, man, the only way I knew I could provoke somebody before reading this was in a negative way. Provoke. I even provoke people that way now that I'm preaching. And I don't even try. I I mean, I, I get people upset and I'm not even trying to upset them. Believe me. Look, we're to provoke. We're to provoke others, friend, to draw close to the Lord. We're, you, you know what it ought to do? We, we, when we get here, we ought to get excited and to get around somebody else and they get excited because we got excited. Now there's a big trial that's been going on about a certain president inciting an insurrection. So we all ought to know what incite means. It is to provoke. We ought to provoke each other. And when we get here, we ought to provoke each other. We, we, hey. We ought to look at each other and say, hey, have you read this? Or let me tell you about a blessing. Let me tell you about a prayer God's answered. And let me tell you, I love you. Good to see you. Man, I'm glad you're here tonight. You understand what I'm saying? We ought to do all of those things when we get here. And can I tell you, I believe we do a pretty good job out here at Rocks of Land. I believe we do. If I didn't, you know I'd, you know, I'd tell you. But we, we ought to do that. And Paul is specific about some things, I believe. We ought to provoke one another in love. Love. Isn't that a great word? Isn't that a great uh, thing to be and, and to be able uh, to do? We ought to, we, we ought to provoke people to fall in love with the Word of God, the will of God, the way of God, the work of God, uh, the people of God. We hey, If we're saved, we will love the brethren. That's one one, uh, of the testimonies, actually. The Word of God says that you are saved, and not only of love, but here's where the rubber meets the road to good works. Well, it's one thing to say I love you, but it's another thing to prove that I love you. We're to provoke one another in love and to good works. Now, these good works don't save us. They do not save us. They will not even keep us safe. But they do testify to the fact that we are saved. I told Steve, when he read out of the book of James this morning, I said, man, that is a great introduction to my message. And it was, and it is. This is what he said in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 16. Let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You see, the good works we do are not about us. It's about the glory of God and about the fact God's working in us and through us and out of us. And finally, that's one of the great words when a preacher preaches to a congregation. He goes on to say, now I believe he's continuing the thought in verse 24, so I'm going to add a couple of words. Let us not only consider one another, but let us not Forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. May, May I beg of you. May I provoke you. May I encourage you. If you don't come to Sunday school, if you don't come to Sunday night, if you don't come to Wednesday night, please come. Hey, can I tell you what? It'll help us we love to hear what the number is on Sunday or Wednesday or Sunday night, don't we? You'd be a fool not to. Numbers are important. They're not the end game, but they represent souls. Many times they even represent the health of a church. Not only, it's not the only thing that does, but they help in that. But on the other hand, you could have thousands and be the sickest church that there is in the valley. But they are important when they're in the right place and they're understood for the right reason. But can I tell you what? You not only do us good when you're here, but I believe we do you a little good when you're here. Let me tell you what I believe. I'll just testify a little bit. I believe when God sends you to this church, He sends you with something we need. If you think the only thing or the only reason that you come to Roxolan is what you can get out of it, sir, ma'am, I'm telling you, you didn't think deep enough. It is a reciprocating thing. You should receive something from us or you ought not to be here. That, not many preachers would be that bold. But we ought to receive something from you. I can take you to the scripture and prove that. I'll tell you, friend, it's important for you to be in the house of God. I, I encourage you to attend. I believe it'll, it'll, it'll bless you in ways that maybe you've forgotten. And listen to what he goes on to say. And, and let me be honest with you. I'm going to say this. I'm not, here's one of those times I may provoke somebody without intending to. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This exhortation sometimes amazes me. It's so simple. Isn't it as simple? Everybody can understand this. Say amen. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That doesn't need exhortation. That doesn't need commentary. It just says, if you're saved, come to church. Now, if you're looking on and you can be here and you're not, shame on you. God's going to judge you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not angry at you. I'd love for you to be here. But you're not. That's up to you. But I'm here to help you. And in judgment, it'll be better for you to be here than there. I'm glad you're looking though. I mean, that's pretty good. That's about as honest as I can be. But it amazes me. Some people think like it seems like, well, that's not for me. That fits somebody else, but not for me. Well... Listen to what he goes on to say, and I'm done. He said, so much the more as you see the day of approaching. How am I to take that? If the Word of God simply says we ought to come to church and we ought to do that, the more we understand that Jesus must be soon to return and people don't come, how am I to interpret that? I'll leave that with you. I know how I do, and it frightens me. It saddens me. Do people not really see what they should be seen, What they can be seen? What they even ought to be seen? Now the choices is ours. God has left it up to us to decide because he said, let us. Let us draw near, let us hold fast our profession, let us consider one another, and let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. There was a man who gave an illustration one time. It's really, really simple, and most of us that are my age and older, or maybe even close to my age, I'm just a little past 70, remembers fireplaces in homes. One that you put coals in or or logs in. It was an open hearth, and you had a chimney, and, and uh, it was a lot of work, but, boy, it was good fire. And you're all the time rotating because you get hot on one side and you get cold on the other. You, you all know what I'm talking about. Well, you know what? When, when that thing gets a little low, if you add coal in it especially an even wood, you get your poker and start poking in that thing, and what you do, you stir, you stir those coals up You get air flowing in between them. You break them up, and then they'll start glowing and even ignite. And almost, almost every time that you would take a poker and poke in that, you remember what had happened. One of those coals would inevitably fall on the hearth. Remember that? Now listen. When they would first fall, they would still be glowing. But the longer they lay, the colder they got. They would even change colors. And before long, if they laid long enough, there'd be no fire in them, but just little remnants of fire. You could see a little bit of smoke going up. By the way, smoke is not evidence that there is a fire. Okay? John, am I right? See there? He's a fireman, a professional fireman. I learned that in the coal industry when I was a mine rescue team member. You know what? A lot of people have lost their fire because they have lost their fellowship with the people of God. Go ahead, you. Does that make sense? But you know what you do if you take that coal? If you pick that thing back up and put it back in the hearth, you get around those other coals that are glowing and hot before long, you know what it'll do? It'll begin to take on what it's next to. Maybe you're here backsliding on God. Oh, you show up, you've you put a pretty face on, and, and yet inside, you, you're kind of like Peter. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but you're following the Lord afar off. I don't know. I believe God sent this message to us. He didn't call me to preach up the road or down the road. And you know what, sinner friend, if you're here, let, let, me, let me ask you something. Wouldn't it be tragic? If while you're here today, God has spoken to you, and I believe God is speaking to you, if there's a lost in the house, you say, how do you get that preacher? You wouldn't be here if God wasn't. The Bible says, Jesus did. If i be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. John tells us that God would send the Holy Spirit of this world to convict men of their sin, convince them of their need of Jesus, and do a work of conversion on them. The Lord's dealing with you. That's why you're here. You might think, well, I come because so-and-so asked me. I want to get them off my back. Well, God's able to take that and you being here and work a great eternal miracle in your life. You know what? It'd be tragic if you would say, you know what? I could get saved today, but you say, now i wait and come back next Sunday. What if next Sunday you come here and nobody else was? What if between this Sunday and next Sunday the church would be snatched out? Wouldn't that be tragic to miss eternity in heaven by about seven days? Every head bowed, nobody looking around.